Welcome to Glam City. On Glam City, we talk to the hardworking people in Australia's galleries, libraries, archives and museums. My name is Chelsea Barnett and today we're talking to Jenny Newell, the Australian Museum's Manager of Climate Change Projects and International Collections. Uh, we're going to chat to her today about her new role, which is uh, Manager of Climate Change Projects, and what part museums can play when it comes to uh, the kind of context of, uh, of climate change that we're in at the moment. Thank you so much for joining us, Jenny. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Okay, let's dive in. Uh, so let's talk first about your new posting, Manager of Climate Change Projects. Um, you said that you'd been in this role since um, August, yeah? Um, and this isn't just a new role for you, but it's a new role for the museum, is that right? That's right. And it's also a very unusual role around the, the world because not many other museums are really stepping up to, to take responsibility for addressing this issue okay. in the way the Australian Museum has. So I'm very fortunate. Wow, um, that's really interesting. Yes. So what does what is the role? What do, what do you actually do? So I'm looking after the way that the museum addresses climate change within its own institution and then within its outreach to the broader world. So we're really wanting to improve understanding and engagement in the climate crisis in Australia. And why why has the uh, Australian Museum stepped up in this way? Um, it's it's fascinating to me that, that it's kind of one of a handful around the world that has such a position. What prompted the museum to create it? So we're very fortunate that we have a very visionary director, Kim McKay, who's got a background in environmental issues and really finding ways to create real action on those issues. So she was one of the people who founded Clean Up Australia. And so she's really brought that that drive to the museum. And I brought that too when I came to the museum three years ago. And I have been working in climate change museums for quite some time. You're really trying to activate museums, galvanise staff and, and, and museum leaders to do what they can to step up their to their environmental and social responsibilities. And so being able to pull all those drives together and really um, advance what we're doing at the Australian Museum has been a wonderful opportunity for me and uh, to be able to do it full time now is fantastic. So it's, it's I'm feeling very lucky that I can really run with my, my great passions. It should be said that many museums around the world are increasingly engaging with climate change and and other issues of environmental responsibility. They're really wanting to, to make sure that people are understanding their interconnectedness with the natural world and um, museums are trying to find ways to, to help people understand that and, and, their, and their role in what they can do to, to look after the environment. And we're one of the museums that's really just taking that to the next level, I think. And so we're hoping that, that we'll be a bit of a leader in the in the field, yeah, particularly sure. you know, here in Australia, but also internationally, in that we might inspire others to to have to make this kind of commitment to to the climate crisis. If we can talk a little bit more about, I suppose, the museum sector a little bit more broadly, because you are the convener of the Museums and Climate Change Network. Yes, That's right. Um, and so, can you talk a little bit more about how other museums um, in Australia and internationally are? increasing their engagement with climate change what are what what is the sector doing um i suppose in in a broad sense about climate change so the sector in a broad sense is really stepping up in terms of thinking through their their policies their approaches their outreach 
So, and that, that tends to cover their own operations and facilities. And so really thinking about the sustainability of their own operations and then their, their outreach to the public and, and what it is that they're going to be doing. And so I was really impressed at the recent International Council of Museums conference. It was in Kyoto in November. It was a, the issue that achieved you know, the greatest uh, coverage, well, not not the only issue, I suppose. There were other ones. The museum definition was the other big one, but um, but the the issue of sustainability was the thing um, that kept coming up, and that it wasn't just the the committee that I'm on, which is the um, it's it's actually it's, it's a working party for sustainability, right? Um, so it wasn't just the working party for sustainability that was pushing this message, but it was the the ICOM board. It was many different committees within ICOM all talking about the ways that museums need to step up to social and environmental responsibilities and really looking at the sustainable development goals that the UN has developed as a as a bit of a, a platform for museums to try and address you know that's it's a, a really good framework for a museum to 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 look into as a way of um, trying to push forward their own operations and is this are these kinds of institutions engaging with the content, uh, with the with the question of climate change in terms of their collections, in terms of the content that they, uh, I suppose, broadcast to an audience? Like, what, I suppose, what are the nuts and bolts of what they're um, when it comes down to it? What are they showing? What are they doing? If that makes sense? Yes, it's a really good question. So. Many museums are increasingly wanting to to include climate change in their exhibitions, and so thinking through how their collections speak to that is something that yeah, a lot of institutions are doing. And I should say that across the glam sector, it's not just museums; it's the libraries and galleries yeah, and of archives course, as of well. Um, I know certainly places like the Manchester Museum in in the UK and others in the UK have been really creative with bringing out their their specimens of birds and you know and other um, and of animals and so on and, and integrating those kinds of collections with more um, social collections. So things that can speak to long, complicated, integrated histories of people and nature and and helping people to see those integrations and seeing the changes that have happened over time. And it's because museums have these long term collections we, we can see that long durée we can see the changes in species over time a lot of the the species represented in our collections are no longer with us and so the collections are a way of speaking about that to a broader public we're also i was really really delighted to hear that that the powerhouse the museum of applied arts and sciences here in sydney has started a collection of i think it's probably environmental activism or its relationships between people and environment and they've been collecting posters from climate oh, strikes wow. and okay. yeah so that's great so the ephemera and of of climate activism that's right yeah, so I want okay. to go talk to them more about that and find out what else is in their collection and uh, probably borrow things from it <laughs> and yeah um, yeah sure it sounds also the National Museum of Australia has a very strong collection they've got a people and environment section or they have you know, in the past and so there that was a very strong collecting impetus um, within that section and uh, it might have been renamed now but they're certainly looking at the Anthropocene and and, and other um, you know ways into these issues uh, very strongly and their their collections I know cover things like um, the, the memorabilia that people have kept after 
big um, disasters and so things that you know people have kept which are very precious to them the only thing that was left after their house burnt down in a storm you know firestorm um, that sort of thing and so things that really capture the impacts of, of environmental change and environmental crisis on Australian societies is something that a lot more Australian museums are, are starting to engage okay, with. Okay that's really interesting. Right, oh then. and I should say yes, too please. sorry just to jump in again um, that that I've started a collection too so the Australian Museum is begun a collection um, calling it People and Environment, um, you know, sort of following the, the National Museum of Australia idea and uh, really wanting to think about things that capture those those intimate, integral relationships that we have with nature. And we've just received a donation from an artist, John Dalson, which is the six totems of ocean plastics, really, mm-hmm. and the, the very um, beautiful perspex um columns yep. and they're all filled with ocean plastics and you look at them and think what a, what a terrible species yeah. we are <laughs> we really what have we done yeah, exactly yeah wow mm, but um they're very powerful and, and we'll be i hope getting them on display quite soon so there's things that we're doing in our exhibition spaces that are going to be drawing out our collections much more strongly um, over the next while. And so when, when we reopen in August, we'll have our new climate change display opening. And so that's in the Surviving Australia Gallery, the permanent gallery, so it's a, a part of a permanent gallery. And the collections that we're getting out for that are things like um, species that have gone extinct, they've got little models and so on, and there's a few other things that, that are being affected by climate change. And there's also things that people have donated to us and they'll go alongside, they'll illustrate the, the comments that people are making about climate change and their, and their um, experience of that. Kind of m- moving into, I suppose, um, more about the Australian Museum um, specifically. Uh, so in 2010, the museum released a climate change statement, um, which I think, you know, when I first read it, I was like, this is 10 years ago now. Like, that's... We've been having a conversation about this for a long time. Um, these aren't new concerns, I think. Um, so in that statement, the museum stated, quote, what can we do about climate change? Um, Australian museum scientists are making significant contributions to the science that will help improve models p- for predicting further climate change. Uh, and, and so the museum has just released a new statement, um, I suppose... Uh, to to follow on from from what was said 10 years ago. And this is a statement for 2019 to 2021. Is that correct? That's right. Um, Is that kind of new statement an an indication that the the, the museum understands the changing role um, or its changing role in in the context of climate change? Yes, I think it is. It's really understanding that museums have a responsibility to make sure that we are supporting our communities through the crises that they might be having to face from changes in the environment and and as well as in society. And so because we are a museum that has collections from the natural world as well as from the the social world, and so we, we feel that we have a responsibility, therefore, to help care for those worlds. And we want to make sure that we, as trusted institutions, we are very trusted within um, society for the veracity of what we say. So people know that we do huge amounts of research and we're very careful about what we say and what we say to the public has to be really accurate and, and authoritative. And so we make sure that when we are stepping up 
and talking to the public that we're saying things that, that people really need to know to help them figure out how to respond to the, the sorts of challenges that they're meeting now and into mm. the future. Mm. And so it's it's not just about the science, in fact. And so we know that hearing the, the facts of, of this, the the physical changes that are happening to our world um, are really important, but they're actually not the sort of thing that's going to change anyone's mind necessarily or or change their behaviour. And that's actually what we really need to be doing. And, and the museum does have a role. Museums around the world are, are increasingly understanding that it's important for us to try and support the action that, that we need to see in this world, that we need to be, all of us, enacting care of this life support system. I mean, it's it's not just about caring for land and sea and animals and, and our communities um, because it's that's a nice thing to do. <laughs> it is a really nice thing to do, but it's also an essential thing to do. And we really have to make sure that, that we're helping people to understand that, that, that yes, we've got um, lots of changes which sound quite daunting but actually when you look through them the sorts of things that we can do to to care for our planet are the sorts of things that care for us in so many enriching ways and that we are caring for our for each other for all those living things mm. that, that make up our our everyday lives and our, our broader lives beyond the everyday the, you know, life, the, the life of our imagination our cultures all those things need to be cared for because because we we need them and yeah. we are able to do that by by changing the sorts of impacts we have what's wonderful at the Australian Museum is that we have a really strong First Nations team and we're able to bring forward through through them and through their great connections with with people particularly other First Nations people in Sydney, lots of really deep understandings of better ways forward and better ways to care for the country and mm-hmm. caring for each other. And so we've had programs at the museum like Aboriginal Meditation, which has been so powerful. And I've, I was really struck doing one of these meditation sessions that I was just learning the basics for how we all need to get on in the world to, and how to survive. And so I think there's really important things that can be learnt at a museum or you're through a museum, because we're certainly making sure that we're not just operating within the four walls of our museum, but you're really getting making sure we're getting out in lots of different modes, whether it's online or whether it's through you know, going out to schools or touring exhibitions and, and, um, and other, other media. Um, we're wanting to make sure that the the ways that we're thinking about our connections to the to the world and to other species are being informed by the sorts of deep, deep knowledge mm-hmm. that, that First Nations people have and which are um, which can be translated, you know, in many ways. Of course, you know, we're not wanting to appropriate other people's forms of knowledge, but uh, but there's lots that can be. And I think and you know, it's it, Perhaps the difference is like listening, you know, yeah, and actively right. trying to learn um, as opposed to appropriating, you know, exactly. like there, there, right. there needs to be a balance there. Um, mm. But if you, I suppose, if you take or you go into that kind of engagement, prioritising, I'm here to listen and I'm here to learn and I'm here to um, take on knowledge rather than trying to then turn it into something that I'm suddenly the expert in. Um 
I think there's the, the, the opportunity for it to become a much more productive um, and hopeful, I suppose, engagement and discussion about climate change and climate management and all those kinds of things. Yeah. So diving back into our conversation with Jenny Newell from the Australian Museum today. Uh, Jenny, you were previously the Pacific Collections Co-Manager at the Australian Museum and your research has specialised in the collections of the Pacific Islands. Um, Are you able to talk a little bit about how um, your work in that area has influenced your interest in in climate change? Yes, certainly. So I have had a long-term interest, you know, passion for understanding more about relationships between people and environment. And I was really taken when I first started understanding a bit more about the history of the Pacific Islands, that um, there was particular ways of, of living with and being with and thinking with the, the natural world that really appealed to me um, in many of the different Pacific Islands that I was researching. And so mm. I was doing a lot of historical research around Tahiti in the 18th century and, and I was really struck by all, all I was learning there. And I, I guess that's where I started with my Pacific studies. And I've really been struck over the years as I've been out in the Pacific and talking to colleagues who are Pacific Islanders, just hearing from them about the growing impacts of climate change, because of course they've they've been feeling them so much earlier than we have. And so I've been increasingly concerned, increasingly wanting to do more to really raise awareness around the, the plight of those communities across the Pacific who are really feeling the brunt of, of all these very severe changes and it's sea level rise certainly and you know flooding and the the rising of, of sea uh, salt water up through coral substrates of atolls and so it's harder to grow food and there's the constant flooding at high tides and, and king tides and so on and as well as increasingly intense storms and then there's rising temperatures in a place that's already really hot and you know so it's really um, a lot of the places that you know they've been in um, are already very hot mm during the day and so now even hotter so it's really difficult for people to just get on with everyday life and um, often it doesn't cool down overnight anymore and and there's longer droughts there's all sorts of you know, problems which they've really been feeling the impact of for a very long time across the Pacific now and and the you know, incredible injustice of that is of course the thing that's really been driving me I yeah. think I must say it's, it's been really feeling um Implicated in in the the culture that has been causing this, the 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 Western cultures that have been the consuming cultures that have have been really industrialising, consuming everything they possibly can on this planet for as long as they've been able to. So it's just um, that sense of not having any real feel for the impacts on on other communities, other cultures that I wanted to address, and so that's why through my work in in museums in. London and New York and now here in Sydney, I've really been wanting to make sure that that broader publics are understanding and hearing Pacific voices. I really just mostly provide platforms for, for Pacific Islanders to be able to speak to broad audiences in in those cities and mm. so and hopefully further afield as well. But um, it's been really wonderful for me to be able to meet these these great spokespeople from the Marshall Islands and from Samoa and, and Guam and all across the across the Pacific. And um, they're great um, people to learn from and um, great friends and, and um, I will continue to work with, with that. There's, there's that great range of people who have really been helping 
a lot of us to understand the impacts of of our lifestyle choices mm-hmm. and um, our economic choices, and and help us to understand that you know we don't we're not living in an economy. We we live in an environment. We have to be able to actually continue to to look after our, our life support system. You have actually you've you, you're not a stranger to to Glam City because you you were part of Glam City Live that we held earlier in the year, um, and in that in that kind of discussion you, we were speaking about um, activism in the glam sector um, and how glam can be. I suppose, a, a, an agent for activism and for change um, and how, as part of that, how museums can inform visitors about climate change. So I wonder if you can speak a little bit about where you see the role of museums going in regards to climate change and climate communication. Yes. I think museums are able to inform and also inspire the people who come through the doors but also people who access the museum or yeah the glam sectors offer in many different ways yeah whether it's through website resources or or through the outreach that goes out to schools and and community centers and so on and one of the really nice examples of that I think I'd like to tell you about is a program called Oceania Rising climate change in our region and we ran it all through last year was the Australian Museum in partnership with Blacktown Arts oh, yeah. and the Casula Powerhouse mm-hmm. um, Arts Centre. So that was a wonderful collaboration and it's one that continues. We're, we're planning you know, the next iteration of Oceania Rising again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was something that brought uh, particularly Pacific Islander diaspora community members to, to these art centres and museums to talk about climate change and their concerns and what they wanted to do about that but also the whole point of it was to enable those voices to be heard more broadly and so we were trying to inform anyone who came along to the events that we were running we did we did talks we did workshops we did exhibitions which had you know, artist speaking components to them so there was you know artist talks and so on so we had lots of different ways that we were reaching out but in each of those efforts we were informing people a bit more about the impacts of climate change in Australia and the Pacific. And we had a really strong focus on Sydney, actually, so we wanted to help people understand what was happening here in Sydney because a lot of people don't actually know, so they're sort of maybe feeling it, but um, but yeah. they're not, not necessarily knowing exactly what they're experiencing um, as climate change or, or knowing what, what quite, quite what's going on. So they... Um, we were informing people, but we were also hoping to inspire people to join in. So what we did through this program at the very beginning was to ask a big assembled group of Pacific Islander community members, general community members, we all got together. We just put a call out to people we thought would be interested. Mm. And we asked what are the questions that you have that most concern you around climate change. And so people just wrote them down. And out of that, they sort of coalesced around three key things, and that was what can I do? How can I get my community engaged? And how can we get the Australian government to act? And so we really ran with those through the program, through the Oceania Rising program, and tried to find answers. And we feel that we we did explore a lot of those questions together. It was great to be able to work with many different people from many different backgrounds and, and get them into conversation together. But I don't feel that we really came up with strong answers yet. And so that's what I'm hoping we'll be able to do in the next iteration. And we're really sort of seeing that kind of model of listening and responding and looking to 
answer questions together and finding ways for people to join in that makes sense to them. Either join in with things that we're doing at the museum or join in a local environmental group or you join in solar citizens or whoever it might be. Find a group that really chimes with you and and, encourage people to join in in any way they can because it's really, as you were saying, it's collective action we need now. And I think um, going back to your previous point, the science is there and it's, it's been there for a while and it's not changing people's minds. So the way that we need to inspire and kind of conjure up action is through the stories that we tell and the the connections that we make in the communities that we build. Um, As a Western Sydney girl, I'm also thrilled about this partnership, the kind of ongoing efforts to engage with what is is a very diverse community and to listen to the various concerns and and ideas and hopes that people have um, in the context of climate change. That, That makes me really happy, actually. But it also provides me with a nice little avenue to get to my last question for you, Jenny. Um... And I I think it's a really nice, I suppose, way to bookend the year that, um, you know, this conversation that we're having at the end of 2019, earlier in the year, right at the beginning, um, at our Glam Slam event, the beginning of 2019, uh, one of our keynote speakers was David Ritter, who is the CEO of Greenpeace Australia Pacific. Um, David's uh, keynote was amazing and totally passionate and it's available I think on the 2SER website so if if people haven't heard it if anybody listening to this episode hasn't heard it I really encourage people to um to check it out um but David was speaking about how cultural institutions can be and in fact are accountable agents in the in the fight to halt climate change um and he said that if glam is about culture and people and communities and stories Climate change is a fundamental threat to those things. Um, you know, if, if the environment is um, is no longer there, then the stories that we tell are no longer there. The people that this that live in this environment are no longer there. Um, David kind of gave a few, I suppose, steps as to what cultural institutions could do in the context of climate change. Um, he talked about incorporating clean energy into their long-term plans. He talked about refusing to enter into partnership with fossil fuel companies, um, those kinds of things. And I'm wondering if you might reflect on his quote-unquote call to arms, if I may. Um you know, do you think that that's a feasible kind of way forward for museums and the glam sector more broadly? I loved his call to action. and it's, It was great. Yes, absolutely. And it's entirely feasible and it's certainly what museums need to be doing. Yeah. Definitely. We need to be stepping up in all those ways that he highlighted. Fortunately, the International Council of Museums is also putting together a set of recommendations and that's being informed by the Working Party for Sustainability that I'm a member of and mm-hmm. there's pe- people who are members of that Working Party from around the world. And we're putting together a set of recommendations which include exactly those kinds of points that David was really wanting us to, to step up in terms of thinking about our own operations and, and making sure that we're using clean energy and that we're ensuring our buildings are... Um, meeting Green Star energy ratings and so on, but also thinking about where our money comes from and and not entering into those kinds of partnerships. Really thinking about our carbon footprints as a whole and because museums and collections of all sorts are very energy-hungry things and they, they really do need to have a lot more thought and research put into sorting out how to care for those collections 
with a reduced um, energy load. And so there are there are people who are working on that. We need to make sure that museums and galleries and archives around the world are really making sure they're availing themselves of that kind of information and really thinking through the ways they're, they're powering their institutions. The Australian Museum has been doing that and we've got a, a sustainability action plan which we have in place which is really committing us to reduce our carbon footprint and increase the sustainability of our operations. And so we're working towards a, a four-star green star rating for, our, for, for the performance of our buildings and um, making sure we've got very efficient use of energy, water and other resources and trying to source more renewable energy. We do have solar panels and um, we've got a, a goal of being carbon neutral by 2020. And wow. so, yes, yeah, that's next year. That is next year. <laughs> we're we're, we're all shuddering with like, oh, exactly. decades coming to an end. Yeah, that's right. Um, One of the points that, that David made was that the way that glam institutions can be agents for change in this in this context of climate change was to harness the power of stories. Um, is there anything that you wanted to add to that? Yes, definitely. That's That really gets to the heart of the matter, doesn't it? And that's what museums are really good at, harnessing stories. And it's important to recognise that these are stories about people, but they're also stories about the natural world as a whole and that the, the stories we're getting from our scientists are still really important to hear even though we might sometimes say you know the science isn't convincing people to change behavior we need to hear those stories regardless these stories actually do make a huge impact on us in terms of how we go forward we need to hear that actually the rate of environmental change and crisis, the stepping up of the crisis is actually happening much more quickly than we'd thought before. We need to hear from our scientists when they discover that that another species has gone extinct. We need to hear these stories. And so those stories, along with the, the stories about what's happening in the in the Pacific Islands, what's you know, whose family has just gone under, you know, they've lost their family land. We need to hear all of these different types of stories. And one of the things I've been working on lately is a, a wonderful book which is bringing together stories from across Australia which speak to all of these ways that people are, are now responding to the change around them and it's a very powerful book and it's really about it's about love, it's about loss, it's about hope and it's um, incredible. David Ritter has the final chapter in it and they're, so they're very short but powerful pieces and help us to see how other people are experiencing the kinds of the grief, the the joy, the all the different things that are coming with these these changes and how staying in the world, staying connected, being with other people is the thing that keeps coming through is as the thing that's going to help us to to ride this out. Okay, so that's at the end of our chat with Jenny Newell. But uh, before we wrap things up today, we're going to talk about some wonderful events that are happening in this wonderful city of ours. Jenny, are you planning on heading along to anything in the next little while? I am. Well, this Friday I'm going to the Imagine Awards, and we're hoping that Oceania Rising will will maybe get. An award because we've been nominated for one. So that's congratulations great. and Thank best you. of luck. I have my fingers Thanks. crossed for you. Thank you. But then, the end of January, we're opening a wonderful exhibition online called Capturing Climate Change. It's going to be on the Australian Museum's website. So head along and see it at the, at the end of January, and it will run for about six months. And we'll have guest curators like Bobby Irwin and others, and they'll be curating some of their own images, but also others sent in on Instagram. So get onto it, get into it. Well, definitely. Um, everybody can head along to that because all they need to do is open up their laptops and um, and 
go to the Australian Museum website. That sounds fantastic. I am really loving all the stuff that Sydney Living Museums is is doing at the moment. They've got some fantastic events, including um, a Christmas night a Christmas nightlight tour, I should say, at Vaucluse House, um, which will be on the twentieth of December. Um, a Friday night. I've decided I'm officially in the Christmas spirit and I'm really embracing it. Um, and this sounds wonderful. It's a tour around the candlelit house to learn about um, the the uh, Christmas traditions um, experienced and, and and kind of enacted in Victorian, in the Victorian context, um, followed by refreshments in the colonial kitchen, which I just think sounds delightful. So I'm going to be heading along to that. But that brings us to the close of Glam City for today. If you'd like to hear more from us, head to the 2SER website, 2SER.com, and you can also search for us on your favourite podcast app. This podcast is made by the Australian Centre for Public History with support of 2SER 107.3. And if you want to get in touch, you can email us at glamcity at 2SER.com. Sincere and very warm thanks to my guest, Jenny Newell, uh, for coming along and chatting today. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Chelsea. 2SER stands on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We acknowledge and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging.